And now for something purposely positive. Welcome to Strive to Thrive, the Purposely Positive Podcast, brought to you by TonyWCoaching.com, where your greatest success is right in front of you. This is Tony Wexler, your host, and on this podcast, we talk about positive issues to bring positive content into the world. Singer Diana Ross once said, you can't just sit there and wait for people to give you that golden dream. You've got to go out there and make it happen for yourself. Now, that's a great quote. So what stops us from going out there and making it happen? How about fear? Feelings of being insignificant? Worrying about what other people think? All of these things are characteristics of playing small. Now, on today's episode, I'm really excited to bring back my dear friend, Hannah, to discuss how to stop playing small. Hannah, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Well, we had a great discussion a while back about evicting your inner coward, which sort of is related to this, but this is more, I think, where the rubber meets the road. It's not getting rid of something. It's learning how to stop playing small because too many of us out there, we have big goals, but we just don't know how to get to them. And a lot of the things that stop us from getting there is playing small. So how do you define playing small in your world? Mm, That's a really good question. So for me, for a long time, it was not quite going all the way. And what I mean by that is I would have the really big dreams and I, and I really believed in them. I've been a dreamer from day one. That's partly, well, it is what fuels me to do what I do because I've always believed that anything is possible for anyone. And pretty much that life is magic. Life is so amazing and so beautiful and we can make incredible magic out of it. But like you say, that fear, that kind of natural human mechanism to protect ourselves so often gets in the way. And so for me, it was like a a push and pull between these amazing dreams that I had, but not quite wanting to stick my neck out, not wanting to ruffle any feathers, upset anybody, have anybody disagree with me. I was a huge people pleaser. And I think this is one of the many ways that, you know, we kind of that fear manifests in our lives. Um, sometimes positive things can actually work against us. So I was always really good at talking to people, putting people at ease, making friends. Some of that can start to feel a bit addictive though, because what happens is we get really safe in our comfort zones. And I think comfort zones is probably something we're going to talk about a lot today because that comfort zone is a really nice place to be. People are saying, oh, you're so lovely. It's so nice to talk to you. And, you know, I thank you so much for your help and it feels great. And then you don't want to change that status quo, right? Once we've kind of experienced something that has maybe fed our ego a little bit, made us feel comfortable, um, defines who we are, again, kind of that safety, that identity of I am this, I am likable, I am good at this and maybe not so good at this. It's very challenging then to snap through that status quo and change it. So what I would find is that I was successful up to a certain point but I didn't want to be noticed in a negative way. And I think this is something I'm really understanding at a deeper level recently, is that 
in order to in order to move through that fear we kind of have to change our meaning around everything so is it that you know positive reinforcement and praise and success is a good thing and that failure is a bad thing well actually that's not true they're all learning experiences and sometimes the success and the affirmation from the positive feedback from other people can actually limit us because we want to keep it coming but in order to grow and in order to be fearless and step out of our comfort zone and therefore be in a place where we can achieve the bigger things and attract the the dreams we have to be prepared to step out of the comfort zone. And for me, that was realizing that not everybody's going to like me. Not everybody's going to like what I do. Not everyone's going to like what I say. And that has to be okay. So (laughs) stepping away from my people pleaser was was one of the biggest things that I had to learn in order to start, um, I think, not not playing small. Um, And previously to that, I would just kind of stop myself. I would get to a certain point and then I'd be like, that's enough now. Even weirdly, actually with things like exercise. I know we've talked about sort of the physical aspect of things as well before. And when I would come to needing to push myself to do, you know, to run the extra mile, literally run the extra mile or, you know, lift the extra weight or do the extra push up, there'd be something in my brain that just went, that's enough now. It's okay. You've, You've basically done it. You know, don't worry about it. That's fine. We can rest now in the knowledge that it would be possible to do it if I did want to push myself. So <laughs> it was really interesting. And that's become an old friend of mine. You know, sometimes she pops up and I'm like, oh, hi, <laughs> uh-huh. I recognize you, but actually we're going to keep going. Thanks for that. Um, so making friends with that, with that voice and understanding that it's just trying to keep us safe. It's trying to keep us where we are. Um, and that is for survival instincts. And that's a good mechanism in itself. But actually playing small is always just about safety um, and understanding that and being able to then recognize it and, and move through anyway, you know, feel the fear and do it anyway. I love that book by Susan Jeffers. It's just so beautiful and so concise and wonderfully written. And it is about it being okay to be scared. I think that's, that's another thing. Well, I like the idea that playing small is a security thing. You know, mm. I think about the old Peanuts cartoon with Linus walking around with a security blanket that he would have to hang on to. And that's kind of what the playing small is. But when we play small, you think about like an ostrich, for example, and how it sticks its head into the ground or some animals, they cower themselves and make themselves very small. So they're not noticed. And right you said earlier, you didn't want to be noticed in a negative way. So when we play small, we're trying to kind of divert the attention away from us in those areas where we might feel that others might not be approving of us, because I think we all seek approval. And it goes back to a survival mechanism. Back in the days when everyone was living in a village, if the people of the village did not approve of you, and you were cast out, you were out on your own, and you were probably not going to survive. So playing small in a way is part of our survival mechanism. So to step out of that zone, that is what's really, really important here. And like we said before, everything is learning, whether it's failing or succeeding. Everything that we do, we can learn from. And when we do make a mistake and maybe we fall into that comfort zone and we fall into that people pleasing mode, you know, like kind of you did with that other voice that shows up, you say, well, you know, let's not have that right now, but you recognize it and you're able to 
recognize it for what it is, understand it, and then just kind of move on. So I want to get back into a little bit about people pleasing, because that's something that I find is very prevalent today, a lot more than in the past or in past years, because right now you either see social media people pleasing each other or people arguing with each other. So most people will think, well, if I'm not being positive, I'm not offering positive advice to people. And if I'm not pleasing them, then I'm spreading negativity and I'm all about spreading positivity. How did you approach people pleasing and how were you able to overcome that? I think that's uh, that would be a great uh, lesson for people to learn as they listen today. Mm, okay, good question. So I've, I think I've got two examples for that. So the, the initial one is I, I want to just reassure anybody that's listening that the anxiety around people pleasing can come so easily. It doesn't have to be some massive trauma that we've experienced. It can be tiny, tiny moments as children that we don't even realize were significant. You know, it could be an adult being distracted and not noticing you when you really needed attention. And then something logs, you know, that creates that emotional experience and that belief that, you know, I'm not worthy of this person's attention or they don't like me or I was rejected. And then that need for approval and attention is there then as a result. So these things can come from from tiny incidences and it's completely natural, especially as children who need the attention, both like you say, for that survival mechanism to feed that need within us, but also for our emotional growth and our emotional comfort um, from our parents and our caregivers. And it can be so easily not met that need, or we can misconstrue the behavior of the adults around us. So for me, I have done, a, I've done a lot of inner child work around experiences that I've had. And again, some of them have been significant and some of them have been nothing, nobody's fault, but I like to do a lot of somatic and embodiment work with my clients around inner child healing and just taking ourselves back to that moment and nurturing ourselves and seeing it from the child's perspective and realizing that it's it's not necessarily anybody's fault in that moment and we get to nurture our own inner child and meet their needs as the responsible adults that we are in our own lives now so part of that journey for me has been doing a lot of healing on that level I like to do a lot of EFT tapping with my clients as well. And I do it for myself too. Um, I think that that is part one of the answer is that it's really important to first of all, understand it's, it's not your fault. If you've come into an experience where you just want the approval of people and it makes you feel really anxious if you don't have it, it's normal. Most of us have it to some degree, some of us to quite a severe extent, and that needs to be looked at and soothed. When it comes to social media, it's, it's another whole ball game. Um, It's, you know, especially, in um the era now where people just get cancelled you know it's like a thing but like you you don't exist anymore because we don't approve of what you're saying and I think that there is a lot of tiptoeing going around where people want to be seen and heard we have this amazing platform where we can get our voice and our message out there but we're also terrified of what if people disagree with us or they or they you know sort of say awful things about us or try and cancel us or put horrible comments on our things the way that I dealt with that and still do deal with that because I I think that it is you are putting yourself in a very vulnerable place I don't think that that ever changes 
Um, but again, growth and learning, there's an amazing opportunity there. The conclusion that I came to was, first of all, if people don't want to listen to what I have to say and they don't want to watch my stuff, I mean, lives used to terrify me. <laughs> but if somebody doesn't want to watch me talking about something, they're just not going to because people's attention spans are so short now. Nobody's going to be bothered to watch a 5, 10, 15 minute live if they're not interested in, in what you're sharing. The other thing is, so, so you know, you can just kind of put that out of your head because people who are not interested and not going to be consuming your stuff the other thing is anybody who has the time and the inclination to comment nasty stuff I mean I haven't actually had any of that luckily but sometimes I think that I should <laughs> just to, just to get used to it and be all right with it um so maybe I'll get some trolls now who knows but I think but people who actually are spending the time doing that really are not happy in themselves you know if they've got nothing better to do than to put negative vibes on your stuff then you know, I would send them love. <laughs> that person yeah. is not. Um, so I think, you know, and, and all of this stuff is easier said than done. It doesn't mean that, you know, we don't all get anxiety, that I don't get anxiety sometimes around that. But again, it's looking at it in that moment. We, we were talking about this just a minute ago because I was giving quite an important talk this morning and, and those voices came up last night of, of, you know, what if they don't like it? What if I don't find the words that I want? You know, what if I don't come across as articulate and knowledgeable? And I, I just, I literally sat with her. I will, I'll tell you now, I just went to bed and I just said, you're safe. You're safe in this moment. You're safe here right now, right now in this second, nothing can touch you. And sometimes it's a case of going moment to moment because the, the primal brain is, is just, has all of its fear receptors going off. I'm in, I'm threatened right now. I'm, you know, my, my livelihood is not safe. And none of that is in the present moment. All of that is past conditioning and future projecting and bringing ourselves back in the present moment and saying this second I'm safe, this second I'm safe. And even tomorrow when I'm doing the talk in that second, I'm going to be safe. No one can hurt me. No one can do anything to me. And it's soothing that real primal fear that just wants to make us run away and knowing how to do that. And it doesn't ever go away, but it gets faster and easier to do. And that's where I feel like what I get from this work and what the people that I work with get from this work is that feeling of, I mean, we were talking about this earlier, my program is called Unstoppable. It is that feeling of unstoppable. It's that feeling of having a superpower and being a bit superhuman. It's not that you're not human and you don't feel fear, but it's just knowing that you can bounce back like an elastic band instantly once you take that time to be present with your fear or with your inner child or with your chimp if you've read the chimp paradox and you like to go with with the chimp model it's whatever that is for you that needs sitting with and listening to and comforting and I really do think that that is the biggest superpower that we can develop within ourselves a lot of us are scared of emotions I mm. think. and especially emotions like fear yeah. And I like how you brought up about being present with fear. When it happens, you have to acknowledge it. Don't try to argue with it. Don't try to, oh, I'm going to just plow through it. Acknowledge it. Be present in that moment and say, okay, what's the worst thing that can happen? Okay, what is most likely to happen? Okay, I acknowledge that I fear this, but I'm going to step forward and keep going, and I'm going to see what happens. And a lot of times that fear will go away if we acknowledge it. But if we try to ignore it and try to push it aside, it'll sneak back. It'll creep back in. 
And we don't want that happening. And when it comes to people pleasing, I think we're afraid of having other people disapprove of us. And we believe that, and when I say the we, we as people, not necessarily you and I, but it could also be, you know, the way we are, because I think we're built that way. We feel that if we don't get their approval, that there's something wrong with us. And I like how you acknowledge that it's, it's not necessarily us. We're just being ourselves. And if we truly believe that we are being our authentic selves, that's part of having that superpower of unstoppability because we know who we are as a person. We believe in who we are. And if other people are going to like us and approve of us, that's wonderful. But if they're not, then that's okay too, because not everybody in the world has to be your friend. Not everyone is part of your group. So I think that is how I kind of dealt with uh, with the whole people pleasing thing. And I know I do that sometimes with my clients because I'm trying to help them to have a breakthrough or to succeed in one area or another. And my area is, I call it being purposely positive. So when I'm telling them something and they go, oh, Tony, that's a great thing. And they start praising me and saying, you know, that's the best advice I've heard. Thank you so much. That's a lot easier to hear than when you have to say something where you have to smack them over the head with a two by four and say, stop doing that. <laughs> that and you have to you know, point out something that they might not want to hear because you're worried about being a people pleaser, but you have to be worried about helping them. And that's your biggest concern there. Absolutely. I think as a younger coach at the, the beginning of my career, that used to really worry me as well. I was terrified of, of telling people to just like, get, get your shit together here. Come on now. You know? But actually that it comes with love. If you are doing that from a place of integrity, that's exactly what our clients need from us. Sometimes it is that kick in the backside to to implement everything that you know they're they're supposed to be implementing in order to get them because they were the ones that said that that's where they wanted to be and we are here with the tools to share it with them and if we're terrified of what our own clients will think of us then we're not actually gifting them with what we promised to in the first place it's a little bit like you know parenting fearfully as well that you know sometimes in order we want to be actually liked by our children and so we don't go down that route maybe of putting boundaries in place where where it would actually be lovingly helpful for them to do so um there's a there's a lot of things that can go a little bit haywire just from not wanting a negative reaction from somebody oh absolutely i like bringing up the idea of coaching and parenting too (laughs) while we were talking earlier before we went on here to record but how sometimes it's almost all the time it's difficult to be a coach to your own children because they don't see us that way however coaching and parenting has its similarities in that we want our clients to succeed just like we want our children to succeed. And sometimes the way that we have to go about doing it involves praising them when they're doing right, but it also involves correcting them when they're doing wrong. Right. There's a lot of parallels there. It's interesting. (laughs) It certainly is. You know, I like it because sometimes people say parenting isn't for cowards. And it's one of the things that I've learned. And it's one area where where we really can't afford to play small. But uh, it also comes when we deal with our clients. But I don't know about you, but when I was young and I when I was a teenager, I was pretty challenging to my parents. I had a rather rebellious spirit and I probably still do. In fact, I actually know I still do. You know, I'm this rock and roll (laughs) musician kind of guy. And uh, 
let's get into that a little bit because you usually don't think of being rebellious and playing small in the same sentence. Definitely not. Definitely not. Well, so rediscovering, I was the same as you as a, as a teenager. I was pretty rebellious. I had a few, a few run-ins. I find that hard to believe. <laughs> More with my dad than my mom, bless him. Um, but um, I, probably I did a lot of stuff that they have no idea about as well. I would have <laughs> would have had more of a rebel on their hands if they'd known what I was actually up to. Um, but, <laughs> but I found that tapping into that rebel was really important for me when it when it came to challenging myself to to, co- to come out of the comfort zone and play bigger because really what, what we're rebelling against is our own status quo and I actually found myself kind of getting quite fired up and almost angry at and not at myself in a toxic way but in a kind of like come on now like that's enough I'm, I'm bored of this self-doubt I'm bored of not going that extra mile because of these old patterns of not wanting to be noticed. And, you know, as, as a side note, very quick side note, actually, I was going to say earlier, when we don't want to be noticed by people because we don't want to have the negative, you know, potential negative repercussions, what we're also saying on an energetic level to the universe is, I don't want to be noticed. Don't bestow me with all of these things because I'm over here hiding. The things that you want can't find you if you're playing small. It's not just about people. It's about energy and manifestation and and what you're, the message that you're giving to yourself and to the universe is like, I want it, but I don't really. I want it, but I'm not prepared to stand up and receive it. And even it can, it comes to light even with tiny, simple things like accepting compliments. I was saying this to my Unstoppables the other day. Are you comfortable receiving a compliment? Because if you're one of those people that go, oh, well, thanks, but, you know, it wasn't me or thanks, but, you know, oh, this old thing, I've had this for years. You know, that is a really beautiful indication that you are not prepared to stand and openly receive. It's like the, the minute you start to get something that you want or something beautiful, you, you shun it because you feel like you shouldn't be. And although that feels like it's a slightly different subject, it is still part of that not being willing to be seen, not being willing to be seen to receive, because how often were we taught that it's better to give than to receive? You know, don't be selfish, be generous. All of those things, they they need reframing and need reconditioning in order to stand strong in ourselves and say this is who I am and this is what I'm doing and if you don't approve that's okay with me so tapping into that inner rebel was was really important to me and it and it got to the point where I was sort of firing everything I was doing with this like I said, it's not an anger it was like a passion it was a passionate energy of no, I'm doing it differently now. I don't care if you don't like it. Don't care if you don't agree with me. You know, I had a few run-ins with people. I was like, no, I no, I believe this is possible. I believe I'm going to do it. And no one is going to tell me otherwise. And that was a really important thing for, you know, the, the quote unquote, good girl, <laughs> people please a nice girl, did all the right things, said all the right things to people. You know, you could put me in any social situation as a, as a young child even. And I had picked up how to talk to people, how to have a conversation. And, you know, people would come away and, and this was valued in my family. And I'm, I'm so grateful for it as a skill. But again, I feel like I took it on as more of a mask then that people would tell me, oh, you're such a mature young person. You know, it's so lovely to have a conversation with you. You're, you're so polite, so well-mannered. And those are great things to have. Don't get me wrong. Like, I don't wish that I was, you know, running around being rude to everybody, but 
it becomes something that then you you carry around like that safety blanket. I know that if I behave in this way and if I speak in this way, people are going to warn to me. They're going to like me. They're going to approve of me. That was that was the biggest thing I think that came out of it. And so it was realizing that that was a mask that I'd been wearing that I needed to put down. That it was okay if people didn't think that what I was saying was was you know bona fide or or right or polite. You know, I swear a lot. I'm, I'm holding back for the sake of your podcast, but <laughs> anybody who's seen my Facebook lives, I swear a lot because it's what, I mean, it is just what I do when I'm passionate, but it is also something that I have consciously done because I notice that when I'm not, it's because I've tipped back into wanting to be the, the polite good girl. And that's not actually how I feel on the inside. I feel really passionate about everything I, I talk about. I'm sorry if I offend some people with language that they don't like, but in that case, they're probably not the people that are going to want to learn from me anyway. So it's just, it is a little bit of tapping into that rebel of, and I think we can all do this. I'm sure all of us, whether we acted on it or not, had a phase where we felt rebellious or wanted to be rebellious everybody knows what it feels like and I and I will put the caveat as with you know as long as you're acting respectfully towards others I'm not talking about suddenly you know um uprooting everything and and you know causing havoc where you are but with respect and with integrity tapping into that in a rebellion around the status quo of our learned behavior, I think is a very important thing to do and gives us that fire. You know, for anybody who feels a little bit timid or like they don't have the confidence to speak up and be themselves, it is tapping into that fire is a very important thing to do. I like the term tapping into that fire because we do have that fire inside of us. You know, I talk about, again, the purposely positive podcast, being purposely positive, living the purposely positive life. But there's another P that is so important to add to that. And that's passion. You have to truly feel passion about your life. And I think that is the problem that I see out there in the world today. People are playing small. They're in their cars. They're driving to work. They're in this traffic jam and they're just feeling small because they're just one of, you know, a thousand other cars on the freeway headed to work that day. Even now, when they get to the office, they're just one of many sitting in their little cubicles. So they're being forced to play small. But when you get out there and when you find something that you're truly passionate about, something that lights you up, something that gives you the energy and excitement, that's when you can come out of that shell. You can be that flower that just blooms and shines and is not afraid of anything. And that is overcoming your playing small I really I really see that yes right and you, you know when you were saying that I thought of another p word and that's permission permission to be passionate because we have to give ourselves permission to access that passion and access that fire and I think a lot of the a lot of the people pleasing there's so many p's today um, a, lot, a lot of the people pleasing comes from waiting for permission whether it's verbal or non-verbal from the adults around us to approve of a behavior you know do i have permission to be excited and flamboyant or is somebody going to tell me that that was too loud do i have permission to run over there to the swings or is somebody going to tell me it's time to go in for dinner you know that they can be tiny tiny things or they can be you know really quite oppressive um mm -hmm. behaviors or atmospheres that we've grown up in that permission thing is is so integral to not taking control of our lives, not standing in our authority and living how we authentically want to live, because there's this tiny little habit in there that looks around to go, am I allowed to do this? Am I, yeah. am I 
actually allowed to to live my dream or is somebody going to tell me that they don't approve? You know, I find that even in the smaller things, when I go into a store or a restaurant or someplace and there's some people have them, these masks on, we're recording this in, you know, the uh, phase three or whatever we are in of the whole COVID pandemic. And it's like, should I be wearing a mask or not here? You know, am am I doing something wrong? Do I have permission to be in here without this thing on my face? And it's really funny. And I was telling somebody the other day, can you imagine if five years ago we had said that the people who own the bank want people to walk into the bank with masks on, <laughs> they, they would have said, what? Are you kidding? But it's all about that permission. It reminds me of when you're a little child, and I don't know how you guys did it in the UK, but here in the States, if we had to go to the bathroom when we were in school, you had to raise your hand and you had to get permission. And right. going to the bathroom is a natural thing you have to do. I mean, what are they going to say? No, no, you can't for the whole lesson. Like exactly. You have to to hold it. And and it's, it's about permission. So it's funny because we're, we're discussing, you know, like my, my book, the purposely positive life, because I go into a lot of these P's and this was one of them that I go into is permission. So it's great that we're, we're delving on all these topics. It's, it's pretty exciting. It is. I love it. And, you know, parenting is another another thing that I'm completely passionate about and don't claim to be an expert in because nobody is. But I do think that the the languaging that we're using is changing. Fortunately, I think even I mean, I'm going to turn 40 this year. I think even my generation and, and the subsequent one are still well I see people parenting who are my generation and and they are kind of consciously changing things for the most part I think um but even when I was a kid that there was so much around sort of unintentional oppression that had just been carried forwards from generations where you had to ask for permission for everything the the languaging was around being a good girl or a good boy which is really really dangerous because it means that your whole identity is attached to what other people think of your behavior it's not that your behavior was good in that moment or your behavior was unacceptable Um, it's that you are not acceptable and we take that on so deeply it's so ingrained in so many of us that you know that's where the disapproval comes from a lot of the time we were told you're being a bad girl or you're being a bad boy or you know you're not you go and go and sit in the corner (laughs) you know you're not welcome because you are not acceptable it wasn't that that behavior is not acceptable and I'm not talking about not giving our kids clear boundaries or teaching them to be polite and respectful but the way that we teach that to them the languaging that we use is so important and I am really you know obviously fail many many times as a parent as we all do but I'm trying my very best to be as conscious as I can about the language that I use with my son and how I teach him things and to never make him feel like he is a bad person for having done something it's just it's a lesson it's a learning point and it's you know maybe a moment where I'm asking for more respect or I'm asking him to use different language or I'm asking him to respect the boundaries of the house differently but it's never about him and I'm so aware of that because I think that a lot of the teachers that I had um, you know, and certainly my my grandparents would use that language of, you know, and maybe even my parents a little bit. I love my parents to bits, but it was just the way that we communicated with each other. You know, I remember being called a good girl or, or you know, yeah, I think I was called a bad girl. I remember a teacher calling me stupid once in school, stupid little girl. And I just that stayed with me for so long. All of these things we have to be so 
careful with how we're now programming the next generations because we really can set them up for success just in the way that we teach them to then speak to themselves because they will speak to themselves as we have spoken to them. That's a whole podcast episode in itself. On yeah, it's language. another one, on, isn't it? <laughs> on language, language is so important. And, you know, you and I, as people who studied neuro-linguistic programming, right. language is a huge part of it. And how we describe things, how we describe ourselves, the words we use really do mean things. So uh, I think that's important that we brought that out. The other thing that I wanted to touch on that you mentioned earlier was getting angry. And I think that is something that sometimes we're afraid to do is to get angry when things are not right. There's anger for just being angry, which we, which society is definitely not for. I mean, you know, the guy who goes home and beats his wife or something like that, I mean, or beats their children, that, that type of anger or just lashing out. You have the boss who gets angry and lashes out. As in, so yes, we say that that's a bad thing, but on the other side of the coin, there's righteous anger and there's anger when you're finally get fed up. And I was talking about earlier about being in the traffic jam or being in the cubicle. And there's a time in your life where you finally get fed up with living life the way it is now. And you go, you know what? I'm so sick of this that I'm going to do something about it. So when anger spurs action and mm. it's positive action, that anger is good. And I even think back when you go back to some of the sacred texts and you go back into the Bible and there's the scene. And I have to bring this up because my last name is Wexler. And in German, Wexler is the German word for money changer. <laughs> so Interesting. If, if you pick up the German Bible, Matthew 21, 12 is where Jesus clears the Wexlers from the temple. <laughs> but this is a classic, yeah, classic example of righteous anger, because these people, they were taking advantage of the people by selling the right type of money to be used for the sacrifices or selling animals. And they were doing business in a place where you weren't supposed to be doing business. And he had righteous anger at that. So that's an example of righteous anger. And there is good, I guess, uh, not to use those words, good and bad again, but for lack of a better term, there is, there is a time to be angry and there's a time to not be angry, but anger can be a great way to break free from playing small to and to break those old patterns in our life when we finally get sick of the way things are and we get angry enough to make the change and I think that's where I'm getting at yes so okay this is fascinating because this all goes back to again this the kind of the people pleasing and the not wanting to, to stick our necks out and and be that kind of person who um expresses themselves let me explain that a little bit anger and extreme human expression is not comfortable for us. We don't feel comfortable when people are losing it in the street. We get embarrassed even when toddlers are having tantrums in the supermarket, right? Of course. <laughs> Everyone's kind of like, control your child. Still, there's still that mentality of like, you know, yes. your, your toddler who is having a completely normal emotional reaction to the frustration that it's feeling in this moment should be seen and not heard. So there's still, there's still a lot of that around. And I think that emotions in general make people feel quite uncomfortable. You know, we're not good at dealing with extreme emotions. Now, like you said, you know, there's there's that limit of, of you know, violence is not acceptable. Um, but extreme expression of emotion is not something that generally we accept from one another. So 
what we've done then to to deal with that is to oppress it is to create societies where it's not okay to you know to, to kind of be extreme in that way whether it's exuberance or upset or anger you know we see it as if somebody does it we're like oh goodness me like especially in england <laughs> what's that person saying? <laughs> um and so it's not the status quo so we learn to temper it we learn to stuff it down we learn that it's not acceptable so then what we do with that is we don't allow ourselves to express it even with ourselves and that's where I think we start to we get sick even we get stressed we get anxious we get diseased because we're not expressing or acknowledging like we were saying earlier acknowledging the fear acknowledging the anger realizing that there is a time and a place to let it exit our bodies there's also time and places to communicate it with people you know if somebody's hurt you yeah okay you're not going to go and have take revenge and, and beat them up but communicating respectfully that your boundary has been disrespected is something that we are not so good at as well. So um, something that I've learned quite recently, I did something called the Hoffman process, which is nothing to do with Wim Hof. Lots of people have got confused about that. Love Wim Hof. Brilliant, fantastic breathing exercises, but it's not that. Um, It's called the Hoffman process and it was created by um, someone called Bob Hoffman. And I won't go into huge detail because there are some really special processes in that week it's a very intensive week you don't have contact with the outside world there's a lot of inner child um you know pattern belief work uh, and there are some things that you know i would not want to ruin for anybody who wants to go and do that it's a very very special process to do however one of the things that you know we are you know we're allowed to share and that i would like to share is that there is a lot of expressive work with physically expressing the emotions and the feelings and the experiences that we've just kept hidden inside our bodies and not acknowledged and the process of that was so cathartic for me that good girl was nowhere to be seen that week and she hasn't really come back you know and I realized how amazing it felt to let myself get angry because in my childhood that was there was no space for that it was not acceptable and it also wasn't safe because there was there was a lot of expressed emotion that didn't feel safe to me that was not coming from me and so I'd learned to be scared of it but also to sort of I suppose reject it as well for I judged it I I judged it as something that I didn't want other people to experience from me so therefore I wasn't going to experience it in myself um, or inflict on other people so I'm sharing this because it was so incredibly cathartic emotionally spiritually physically to actually allow that stuff to come out and as a result I'm now more in touch with that, that passion, you know, that, that first of all, that it's like you say, it's anger that is then channeled constructively. It is, you know, I'm prepared to let this out. I'm prepared to find out what this part of me is about. It's created a whole new relationship with myself. And now I'm excited to channel it into something constructive, because like you say, it's, it's like, we call that kind of catalyst moment where people go, I am not ready to accept this as the rest of my life. I am not prepared to live the rest of my life feeling small anymore. And that is, we've kind of come full circle because it is that moment of no, no, I'm not going to stand for this. And I need to get in touch with this part of me that is fiery enough and done enough with the way that things were to then claim a better life for myself. And it gives us, it breaks the inertia and it gives us the energy to then move forward into action. Um, And it's a really special kind of energy to, to get in touch with. Absolutely. One more thing I want to get into before we before we finish up today. I know you and I we always have these conversations, and we could go on probably for hours on I end. Still feel like we could talk for hours. We'll have to do a few more. <laughs> yes, we will. We'll, we'll we will definitely have you back. This is number two, so uh, 
Anyway, self-doubt is something that also falls into playing small. And I deal with this a lot because, you know, I talk about affirmations and saying affirmations and actually getting the emotion in touch with the affirmation. When you say something, you have to really believe it and you have to get your the emotions involved. When you have a goal, you have to picture yourself already receiving that goal. But some people just have that self-doubt where you can just feel it inside. And they tell me this when they say the affirmation, and I've experienced it too in certain areas. When they say the affirmation, they just feel that eh, you know you're full of you're full of it. You know you're not. This isn't true. And even when they try to get the emotions, is there a way that you found to break through that self doubt and to kind of uh, knock that out of the park? Mm, yes. Yeah. So interestingly enough, I for me, I think it goes back to permission. I gave myself permission to decide and to decide how it was going to be, how it was going to look. Um, you know, I think it's so interesting when you say that, that because I, I can so get in touch with that feeling of doing the affirmations and this feeling of like, I'm a fraud. <laughs> Who am I to say this? Or what if it what if it doesn't happen this way? What if it happens this way? And it's it's all of these options. I mean, I do. I think it comes from different things for different people sometimes it is just a case of having a busy mind and being able to see all of the different options and thinking oh gosh but you know how how could I possibly say it's going to be like this when there's all of these other possibilities out there but again even that is kind of a hesitancy to just make a decision and I think okay so this is how I would track it if you're hesitant to make a decision it's because you're worried that you might be wrong if you're worried that you might be wrong what's that saying about you? Maybe that you're a failure, maybe that you make bad decisions, but what does that really mean? That means that you're worried about what other people think of you. You can always track it back to that fear of how you think others are perceiving you. And it's so, for me, for years, it left me in this kind of no man's land of just not making decisions for myself. But when you stop giving a crap what other people think of you, which is not an easy instant fix, I understand that that, you know, I'm giving you an answer that is not, there's not a one direct road, right. to, but all of the tools that you and I teach people will get you there. You know, all of that self-inquiry, self-awareness, um, somatic work, uh, embodiment work, affirmations, belief training, all of those things, when we, when we do implement them and we make that decision that, I don't know how I'm going to get here, but I'm going to get here. I want to be happier. I want to be more confident. I want to make more money. When we've made that decision, those, you know, for, for anybody listening who, who maybe isn't on this path yet, those decisions and those commitments to yourself will always get you there, always. And I have just been over the last 20 years or so, so surprised and delighted at how the journey has taken me on this wonderful winding route that sometimes, you know, the most amazing manifestations and then other times more opportunities for growth and then more one. It's, it's just the most amazing journey and you can never predict how it's going to be. But where it has got me to definitively, I can say, is to this point where I'm no longer prepared to doubt myself. I just, I don't have the time for it. I don't have the energy for it. I've decided how it's going to be. And it doesn't mean, like we were saying earlier, it doesn't mean that I don't have doubt and fear. It means that I'm not prepared to put up with them for more than an hour or two. I just don't want to. I spent enough of my life doing that. And so, and I think when you have figured out that really it is, I mean, even today in a train station, 
I was playing around with, and this is a great experiment to do for you, for anybody who wants to kind of start, start to detach from what they think other people think of them, is just to notice every time you walk past somebody, or when you want to get up on the train and use the toilet, or when you want to buy a sandwich, notice those thoughts that are there around, They, you might not even verbalize them as such, but there will be those little reactions of like, if I get up and go to the toilet now, will that person look at me? Is this a weird time to go? Should I leave my bag or should I take my bag? Will someone steal it? Or will I look like I'm not trusting people not to steal it if I take it with me? You know, all of those tiny little things, those dialogues, the more we become aware of them and just allow ourselves in that moment to kind of, okay, I'll let that one go. What if I just like, what if I don't need to look at that person for their reaction right now? Because, you know, I'm wondering what they think of what I'm wearing. You know, we all do it. We all do it to some extent or another. And the more we can kind of just incrementally notice them and let them go, the more we change that relationship with, you know, we kind of, I think it happens so quickly. We don't even realize that we're doing it. We're shooting out energy to other people. We're we're receiving it back because we're all thinking thoughts about each other. It is part of human nature. And like you said, it is part of that primal uh, survival instinct to be aware of that. But it's okay to be aware of it. And then to remember that that person has no power over you. They're not going to reject you. They're not going to renounce you. They're not going to cancel you in the middle of a train station. None of that is actually happening. And the more that we just give that, give it love and space and realize that this is not the way that we want to conduct our lives anymore. We do start to detach from what other people think of us. And you then start to be able to do it on a, on a bigger and grander scale to the point where, you know, sometimes we let people go because they're not good for us in our lives. And it's okay. We're okay with that. It's part of a healing journey and it's completely doable. And what happens then, you know, to come back to your question around self-doubt is that we stop doubting ourselves in that in that way because we understand that we are the only people with permission to make decisions in our own lives, and we're the only people who can give ourselves that permission. Yes, we don't exactly. Need to let the others to do that for us. I always tell people try to do something every day that gets you a little bit out of your comfort zone, and if that involves people pleasing, maybe find a way to notice, like you said, how your doing some people pleasing in that moment and make a change to that. Right. And it can be so tiny as well. It can, you know, get yourself out of your comfort zone is it can be a massive thing and it can be a tiny thing and, and, and we can choose. It can literally be not, I mean, I don't know if you guys do this, but English people say sorry all the time. It can be not saying sorry. It can be saying excuse me instead of sorry when you want to pass somebody on a, on an escalator, you know, it could be tiny, tiny things that just, take your trajectory a little bit out of the norm and even that is stepping out of your comfort zone and will serve you hugely i love that doing something to step out of your comfort zone every day hannah this has been just a wonderful time of chatting and again we could go on longer but we need to uh wind things (laughs) down but i'm going to ask you if you would give out some of your information if people wanted to reach out to you i know you have just a brilliant program called unstoppable and other ways that you can help people so how would we find you so find me on facebook right now that's where i'm spending most of my time you can find me as hannah ashenden on facebook i also have a beautiful group called spiritual high achievers creating abundance and success on their terms which is everything that unstoppable is about uh, unstoppable is does exactly what it says on the tin my clients are just the most amazing unstoppable beings who have taken charge of their own lives 
taken charge of their own manifesting power, done all of the things that we're talking about. I love it. I love sharing these tools with people. So come find me on Facebook. And if you have any questions about Unstoppable, then just send me a message. I'd love to hear from you. Awesome. I hope people will follow through with that. And again, Hannah, this has been great. And I look forward to our next conversation. Me too. Thank you so much for having me. And you've been listening to Strive to Thrive, the purposely positive podcast brought to you by TonyWCoaching.com, where your greatest success is right in front of you. And you know, I'm reminded of an old song and the lyrics by Sir Paul McCartney say, many times I've been alone and many times I've cried. Anyway, you've never known the many ways I've tried. And if you're out there and if you're tired of trying and need some help, you can download a free resource called Strive to Thrive. And it's on my website, TonyWCoaching.com. And that will get you off of that long and winding road and on toward a shorter road to a purposely positive life.